0: Hello and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 34. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the man himself, Mr. Chad Owen. Hey, Mike. It's, uh, It's sunny here in Sydney. How are we looking in Brooklyn? You must be in the midst of a sweltering Brooklyn summer.
1: Oh, it's, it's great. I can't complain. It's not quite uh, do the right thing hot, but uh, it's, it's definitely getting there. I looked up if I could uh, swim laps at my neighborhood pool. And unfortunately, it doesn't open till 11am. So I'll have to find
0: another spot to uh, get into the water and cool off. Well, I don't know if this show is going to cool you off. I think it's quite the opposite. I think we're going to turn things up a little here. We've got our second installment of our Apple series. Uh, We just did Angela Ahrens, and now we're diving into the world of another key integral member of the Apple family, but someone who's maybe a mystery to some of our listeners.
1: Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that most of our listeners are pretty savvy, that Apple was Co-founded by by two individuals and eventually uh, three individuals, but yeah, we're going to hear from
0: the Woz, as he is known, or <laughs> Steve Wozniak. There you go, the WAS. I mean, he is. I mean, he should not be underestimated. Obviously, Jobs was uh, in the limelight for for many decades. was is. Uh, far from being somebody who likes the limelight, in fact, quite opposite. In fact, he, he tends to involve anything that looks like management and leadership. He is really uh, a, a very special person. I would say he's, he's the geek's geek. He's the, the engineer yep. that uh, hates Facebook, loves Bitcoin. He's in the National Inventors Hall of Fame. He invented the Apple I, the Apple III, the Macintosh. This guy was pivotal in doing so many things. One thing that I thought was amazing, Chad, uh, preparing for this show is that uh, the was is responsible for putting color on our computer screens. Now something yep. that we all take for granted, but he's the guy that did it. I mean, this is how special the was is. What what strikes you about what makes the was so special? I found him to be f-
1: for such a self-professed geek and engineer, he's a really great storyteller. And I think you really get excited for, you know, the history of Apple when he tells it, which some founders or co-founders c- can do and others can't but uh i think he really makes it sound fun you know what he and steve were doing in the garage so many years ago and i think it just goes back to his his passion for the science and the engineering
0: of it absolutely and you can tell uh that he was just someone who found what he he loved um so early on and it was so fortuitous that his passion for engineering and ham radio and putting circuits and transistors together, that all of this turned out to be one of the, well, what is today the biggest company on the planet. And uh, he seems so unaffected by it. He's just himself. Uh, he's so charming and and down to earth, super bright. And I think we've got an action-packed show because he has such a, a great history with technology. He puts it into some great perspective for us that we've not had before. And you said it, Chad. He tells some stories, and we've got some crackers. He, he, he takes us right back to the day, to the garage, and he tells the story of how him and Steve really made these breakthrough inventions. And an interesting twist on all of this is that uh, HP actually helped Apple a lot in the early days. But the craziest thing of all that I thought was so mad, uh, Chad, was that HP turned down his ideas for the personal computer, Not one, two, three, but like, was it six times he got five times? Oh, my gosh. I mean, talk about kicking
1: yourself. That's that's leaded with them. He's like, please let me keep my job here and work on the personal computer. And they're just like, this isn't going to be a thing. (laughs) So Steve Steve Jobs, you know, ended up convincing him. Well, yeah, you know, we just need to do it. And, you know, we want to make you an integral part of Apple. And so I think that's what ended up sealing the deal
0: isn't that crazy i mean that's up there with um blockbuster declining uh, to acquire netflix for like 20 million dollars that's up there with kodak inventing the digital camera and then trying to kill it and then being completely displaced by it i mean this is all time this is all-time great faux pas if you if you ask me but nonetheless we've got so much uh, ahead of us in this show lots of entrepreneurial and passion-driven ideas lots of ideas about invention and tech too. And if you're interested in any of the things that we're mentioning, uh, please check out the show notes at moonshots.io where you'll find everything you you need uh, about the show. Ooh, I'm ready. It's it's The temperature's turned up. I'm ready to dive into the world of Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple Inc. Um, do you want to kick us off, Chad?
1: Yeah. So, you know, for the most technical of technical founders, I think that we've profiled so far, Um, We've got a great intro in his own words.
2: My name is Steve Wozniak, and I co-founded Apple Computer, and I'm also known as The Woz. I was only like eight years old, maybe seven years old. My dad was taking me around. He was an electrical engineer, and I decided I'm going to be an engineer like my dad. I got the most valuable gadget of my life, probably, a transistor radio. I could tune in radio stations and sleep with music playing all night long. My parents got me a kit. This was an important thing in my life. And there was a manual that showed you what order to assemble everything, bolt everything together, solder all the pieces in place. It took weeks to build. And I sat down there and I had a Morse code key, dot, 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 dot. You know, and I I was a little ham radio operator. They didn't teach this stuff in school. They didn't have books in bookstores on it. Nobody else knew this stuff. And I knew it. I grew up in Silicon Valley. We had to ride our bikes through orchards to go anywhere from our house, as far as you could see across the valley. But because the inventor of the transistor had moved to Mountain View, other companies had sprung out, they were building transistors. As the silicon industry was growing, the only people that could afford the early chips were the military and the government. And my father worked for Lockheed Missiles and Space Division in Sunnyvale. So I uh, discovered a journal in the hallway closet that only engineers would have. And the journal started out describing how numbers can be represented by computers as ones and zeros and i practiced on paper and started writing ones and zeros and figuring out the number system and i said oh my gosh this is easy you don't need higher level math to know what a computer knows fifth grade math you can understand it all by sixth grade actually my dad suggested why don't you make you could play make a machine that plays tic-tac-toe you can make a machine that does that
0: Yeah, you know what's so much more.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh!
0: And and isn't it great to see that you know he was inspired by his father. He he just you know he lit this this fire of curiosity inside of Steve Wozniak, and
1: And he was in the right place at the right time too. I mean, come on, being you know growing up in Silicon Valley and his father working for Lockheed. I don't know that the situation gets you know any more fortuitous for someone like Steve.
0: And it's so funny that he talks about um, you know cycling and on his bike around the valley, and it's all orchards as far as you can see. Because you know, having lived in in Silicon Valley for six years, my memory of it is just the massive highways and the congestion, and it's complete suburbia now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so amazing to think that we are tuning into somebody who was at the beginning, I mean, it does not get any better than this. And isn't it interesting, Chad, when you hear him talk, without a doubt, if you don't actually, if you just feel what he's saying and don't listen to what he's saying, he is in his element here. And I think passion has to be one of the biggest uh, pieces of his success and uh, that has led to his invention is the fact that he is just, so fired up about what he's doing you can really feel it when he talks yeah
1: from age 10 he when he built his first transistor radio yeah i don't think he pro- i don't think he stopped doing things with his hands at the company until he left apple i mean i'm pretty sure that he was in there in the guts of all of the products that they were building from the first you know pc boards that he and steve jobs were building i think for like 20 bucks and selling them for 40 mm. um yeah all the way to the last products that he worked that he worked on he he yeah. was just a maker a technician engineer through and through and he stuck to that
0: oh yeah and and he he will as we'll discover he's very self aware of what he likes to do where he is strong and and avoids the the missteps of someone who fails to judge where their strengths are but this fire is is such a big lesson i mean i think we've heard from a couple of innovators, I think. I think you know when I when I really reflect on, I think Oprah is deeply driven uh, and and just gains so much of her energy from that. And I and I think also Branson for sure is another one that's full of passion and, and drive. Different passions, but the same energy. So this next clip is really powerful because it, this is us uh, kind of being able to understand how was discovered and found his passion. So let's have a listen to Steve Wozniak, founder of Apple Inc.
2: In early years in my life, I was heavy into electronics. I stumbled into ham radio. You built all the pieces and soldered the parts together and you had to learn a lot of theory to get a license. So I had my ham radio license in elementary school and I was building these fantastic school projects and I stumbled into computer technology in a journal. There were no books. There were no classes available back then. It was such an accident for a nine-year-old to stumble on a journal and start learning about ones and zeros. And I just told myself, at that very young age, this was the most interesting stuff I had ever discovered. It was gonna be my heart's passion for the rest of my life. I would never have a job in it. I didn't think there were jobs in computers back then. Computers were further out than space science. You heard about them less on the news. They were huge monstrous machines and nobody else around me was doing this stuff. What excited me about the computer itself is the fact that computers were kind of attributed to being the smartest things that they could do, jobs that no humans could do. They were Superman stuff. It was the people that were in the Homebrew Computer Club that attracted me. Here were a lot of people that were like myself and they wanted a piece of technology to serve as a tool of a revolution where the young person who was shy, who was unknown, who meant nothing but new electronics and new computers was now going to be valuable to the future of society and the world. So what I did was I had this idea to build the Apple One computer very affordably. I gave away my computer design for free to everyone. I gave them my code listings, I helped other people build their own. And that was when Steve Jobs came to a club meeting. Whenever he saw interest, he knew that was money. Steve was the total businessman. He wanted the company, I just wanted to build cool products. The only obstacle I had was I didn't want to start a company on the side of the company that I worked for and loved and was loyal to and would never leave, Hewlett Packard. Because we built products for engineers and I was an engineer at heart, so I proposed it to HP first. And I pleaded, I wanted them to make this personal computer And they were so intrigued by the idea, and they turned it down. And it's very, very lucky because they probably would have built a very boring product for engineers to use rather than an exciting, interesting, colorful, animated game product for normal human beings.
1: It's just, it's so interesting to hear how like jovial he is in reminisce like I would guess if you go into whatever office space or study space Steve has today like it's going to be strewn with parts and gadgets and gizmos like you just get the sense that this is something that he does every single day and I think that's why he was so attractive to someone like Steve who Steve Jobs who's kind of a little on the outside like yes knew about technology but saw someone with a talent of Steve Wozniak and was like okay i've got an idea for a business and i want him to build it for me
0: yeah well isn't it crazy to just uh, as a as a sideways point here is to think that had hp actually said yes we would have no apple <laughs> the biggest company in the world would not exist had h p actually listened to Woz one of those five times yeah or or how
1: much longer would it have taken for the adoption of the personal computer you know not only on every desk but in every home and now in every pocket on every wrist you know it's et- cetera yeah. in every fridge and get you know i think it's it's very it's just very telling how nascent the industry was at the time and like just how radical Mm. it was i mean you know to to get to get a computer that didn't take up you know as much space as your your furniture uh, you had to go (laughs) yeah or your house you had to go to these computer clubs and learn how to build them yourselves and and again for steve wozniak it was completely over his head, uh, that there was even an, a, a business proposition in this. Like he was just, he's just like, I want to get together with other cool computer geeks right. and, and build, you know, build better in, in different computers. And it took an outsider yeah. to, to understand the value in that and, and the marketability of that. And that, yes. you know, of course, that's when Steve jobs en- enters the picture
0: well um you know thank gosh i mean talk about a batman and robin duo but but just uh, going back one step the other thing that strikes me he's very much like Yvonne chenard sort of an accidental entrepreneur in this case was is just trying to do cool stuff with transistors and circuit boards and microprocessors and all of that stuff as you said, like there's no even notion of of a business here, and then it it really didn't present itself uh, as a route until h p had said no that many times, and that they had actually subsequently picked up so much momentum it almost it was like a slam dunk. It was so obvious that they should go and do this and I think what's really powerful here is that the reminder that we're getting is that passion, interest, and mission is really crucial to an entrepreneur's success. What's crazy about the next clip is, I think it was pushes this even further is, you know, you really need to start with a dream and see if that dream could come true before you even pursue the idea of a business. So let's, let's have a listen to, to
2: was now talking about dreaming first before a business. When I told my father that someday I was going to give up a house because computer costs as much as a house, I was going to live in an apartment so I could have my own computer. Finally, I saw the formula to try to make a computer that a person could afford to own. So I saw the formula and that was just so lucky. I was going to build that computer for myself, no matter what. I didn't think, hey, I got a great idea, let's start a company. I didn't think that way at all. I'm gonna build a computer that impresses them. I'm gonna show it to them, because showing off was really my way of communicating. I was still shy. And I'm gonna pass out my designs for free and tell everybody, for $300, you can build your own computer that is so good, you can actually type programs in and run them. And that was the start for me. I would have done that thing in 1975 whether there was any idea of Apple computer, a company, um, anything like that, I would have just done that for myself. And Eventually, Steve Jobs came into town, and he saw it. And he said, let's start a company. But, but people think, oh, my gosh, that was the start of Apple. Steve and I had been selling my, my designs for five years. I mean, we already had our company in, a, in you know spiritual terms.
1: Yeah. And they were both working at two other giant tech companies. And mm-hmm. As as Woz is saying here, like this was really just a side gig for them for for quite some time. So you know, mm-hmm. Steve was at Atari, I believe, at this time, and Steve Jobs was, and and, yes. and Steve Wozniak was at at HP, yeah. and they really only kind of came together at these computer clubs, and you know, selling selling their their PC boards to uh, mom gate. and pop computer, yeah, well, and, and mom and pop computer. So, yeah. uh, computer stores as well, and uh, what I'm taking away from this is a lot of the innovators we've we've heard from on the show talk about identifying talent and you know bringing the right people in, and I don't know that many talk about this in in terms of co-founders and you know you know starting a business with someone that uh, complements you in the right ways and has the right talents, but I mean I think. Steve Wozniak like embodies the best of a technical co-founder so if if you're a if you're an entrepreneur out there and you're you're and you've got a great business idea or you're a great marketer like Steve Jobs look for someone like Steve Wozniak you know yeah. go go to those weird places where the geeks hang out and you know, be genuinely interested in what they're doing and have cool and unique ideas and how they can spread it further. Because I, I think Steve Jobs convinced Steve Wozniak to start the business because in a way it was helping increase the speed in which more and more people could get these in their own homes, which is a cool idea yeah. to, to Steve Wozniak. Not necessarily like making the money, but it's just giving the power of these new computers to more and more people. I think that's really what I'm taking away from this interesting contrast between the two, you know, co-founders of Apple.
0: Very reminiscent of uh, the Nike founders. Now, I'm going to challenge your memory banks here because I always fail to remember the guy. It was Phil Knight, and then there was this, the guy who actually put the uh, put the plastic in the waffle maker to make the first Nike. Um, I can't remember the name. Do you remember the the other Nike founder? I'm drawing a blank too. This is yeah, coach? Man. Yeah, yeah. And but the, my point here is, once again, there was sort of this tech or engineer and businessman together. Um, two of the greatest companies on the planet in history, Apple and Nike, started. Bill Bowerman. With- that's it. Bill Bauman and Phil Knight, it's almost copy and paste uh, uh, the two Steves at Apple. But the important takeout here is I, I honestly think you, it's so bloody hard to do a startup by yourself as a single founder. It's such a huge burden. You need to be able to share the load. But what what you've pointed out is that chemistry, that natural almost yin-yang-yang-like balance um, that we see here in the two Steves at Apple it's incredibly powerful because they're full of passion. They've got this very big vision of, of what can be. And I think it really sets you up. But what's really cool about the WAS is he's got some other thoughts that really, I think, build off this. And he's a really big, uh, you know, it's funny, Chad, when he doesn't say the word, but I kind of think he's a stealth prototype guru, the Wozniak. What do you think? Well, I,
1: he just builds stuff. I mean, so of, of course he is. I think uh, yeah. everything, he it, he also embodies this, you know, uh, solve a problem that you yourself have and, and create a product that you want most. Um, exactly. So I, I, I won't talk about it. I'll just let him uh, share
2: that with us. My tips are, don't necessarily think that you have to have the home run and the huge Apple computer on your first start. I spent a long time in my life with skills just building little devices for fun. For fun is one of the key things, because that drives you to think and think and think and make it better and better and better than you ever would if you're doing it for a company. Build things at first for yourself that you would want. If you're going to build a retail or a a real estate business online, well, if you're not in the real estate business, you're not going to really think about it the right way. You're building it for other people. That's what I say is wrong. You should be building it for yourself. And if you're not building it for yourself, you better have a tight partnership with somebody that is, that absolutely wants it for themselves because they're going to want it to be so perfect and so right and not confusing and make it all the beauty into the product.
0: Yeah. Building yourself first for, your, for yourself first is such a big one because for me, um, if you're very present in the problem that exists, You'll know the solution when you see it, and then you can go and test and learn w- with other customers. But this um, building for yourself first, this theme, Chad, this is coming back quite a lot in the in the recent shows. I feel like Martha was actually, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be your own customer, was a big part of what she talked about her success was coming from, is she was really building for herself mm-hmm. first, wasn't she? And
1: I think he, he's also... Uh, kind of extrapolating from this saying don't don't create the business first and like hire engineers to to build it for you later because they're not going to be as invested in it and so you you really need i I mean how many times have you seen a company do just that they have
0: a, a flash of insight and an idea and they have an engineering team build their mvp and how how far does that go Yeah, not very far, but what you'll find in the second half of the show is that the clips that we have really put proof to this that the engineers need to will will have to overcome problems that uh, that are enormous, and it and it comes down to the passion and the dream, but also building for yourself because in the end, was wanted the solution as much as anybody. This drove him. Uh, and and enabled him to work harder, longer, deep into the night. He talked about working till four in the morning for months on end to get some of his work done, particularly when he was uh, doing the underlying uh, operating system for, for the Apple One. I think this build for yourself is so interrelated to the vision and the passion but we're seeing this is, you know, think about it. Branson did the same thing. He waved. He couldn't get a flight, so he went and chartered his own jet and went walked around the airport with a chalkboard, didn't mm-hmm. he? So there's building things for yourself first. It's such a powerful way to know if you have problem-solution fit. I think it's a such a big learning, don't you, Chad? Yeah, and
1: even, you know, the likes of Ivan Chouinard making you know, reusable aluminum pitons that they could you know uh put into the sides of rock faces and then take out instead of leaving all of the all of the you know litter of of steel That's right yeah uh pitons in yeah. and you know and and then and grew the the company from there I, again he he's a self-proclaimed dirtbag in the same way that uh Steve Wozniak is a self-proclaimed computer <laughs> geek
0: oh yeah oh yeah and the the funny thing is that a sort of subtle revelation that's come to me throughout the show is once again, Chad, we're, we're hearing that not only was it a passion, which, you know, and, and they built for themselves, but it took, took a long time. I mean, he talks about for years he was, you know, geeking out and feeling around and building stuff and and just prototyping way before the actual company was created, I believe, you know, he I mean, he's referencing, you know, when he was doing uh, ham radio at the age of 10 was really the start of that. Isn't it funny, that subtle thing that we're seeing more and more of these people are actually not overnight successes at all. It's sort of a life mission that maybe starts as a side hustle or even just a hobby. And it takes years for it to manifest. It, it stands in stark contrast, I think, to a lot of what's happening today in in
1: 2017, 2018, where you have a lot of quote unquote serial entrepreneurs that are kind of moving from one idea to the next, and they may not have had any personal interest or experience beforehand. I think that's what makes Steve's story so interesting is Yes, This is something that he he was obsessed with since he was 10 years old and it turned into Apple (laughs) computer. You know, it's like, not, not every day does like your, you know, your daily activities in in the summer as a young kid, like, you know, turn into one of the most influential companies of, of our time. It's just, it doesn't happen that often anymore. And so I think that's, it's really refreshing to me to learn from, from Steve and, and how, Mm. uh, it really just it started when he was, was 10 years old.
0: And what's nice about the, the sort of extent of his thinking and wisdom is actually he's got some really clear thinking on how to take that passion and, and that, that practice of building for yourself. He's actually got some really good thinking about how you can connect that to entrepreneurship. So um, we're very fortunate now in this next clip, he's going to really talk about how to build the bridge and, and where you need to start with entrepreneurship, knowing that so much of what we do today involves technology and engineering. So let's have a listen to Steve Wozniak.
2: These days, entrepreneurship is taught as courses in all the colleges, Mm -hmm. and usually it's a business level course. So you've got all these business guys that, oh my gosh, if I write some ideas down on paper, that's how you go about it, starting a company. And I, my principle is no. I, 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 so many people in Silicon Valley got used to write ideas down on paper and then try to get some money, try to get some money, try to get some money. Like we can just buy the engineering for it. No, I like the type of entrepreneurship that has actually created working models. Here is an example of something that works the way we want it, and we've built it, and we've got the, the talented the talented technical people that know how to do it.
0: Yeah, putting entrepreneurs and engineers together from the start and and actually doing stuff, not guessing and writing it down a piece of, it, but like actually define the problem and try and solve it, and 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 start with rolling up those sleeves. This is such a powerful thought, Chad. Like I'm like yes, yes. I'm violently nodding as we're recording yeah. this podcast.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know uh, this is a little bit you know from the peanut gallery because you know yes, you and I have started you know our own ventures and and, and running our companies, but like there is. You know, I, I work in inside of a WeWork here in, in, in Brooklyn and there's definitely that, that startup hustle, gotta raise money. I got a good idea. You know, it's worth a, a million dollars kind of vibe. And in the back of my mind, I'm just mm-hmm. thinking like, you know, what are you building? You know, what are you doing? Uh, to make that a reality. And so it's, it's inspiring me. It's inspiring to me, you know, to listen to Steve and it's like Apple, you know, the biggest company today. didn't start like just as an idea like Mm. no it Mm. was it started when steve wozniak was 10 years old and it took five years of them you know hustling to sell their their pc boards to to people before the company even really was started as a legal entity and so that you know that we've got some even more interesting clips about the origin story so i don't want to like give too much of that away before the second half of the show
0: yeah well i So what I wanted to say was just to to build off what you were saying is Apple is the furthest thing from some opportunistic land grab. This was two guys who deeply wanted to see personal computers and technology uh, kind of come out of the the refines of HP and these large tech companies and get them into the homes of, of all of us. And... You know, they had this very um, homebrew computer club, kind of hacky, prototypey, um, build some stuff kind of approach, which is really coming from, from their passion. And, you know, this is the powerful learning is don't go and do some sort of land grab. Don't be opportunistic in terms of starting just another company and trying to raise money. That's such fraught with so many challenges like start with something that you care about that the big thing for here for me is this is what keeps you going through the dark times because I am sure that if you't re- if you're not really invested in the mission of your company or what you're trying to do, you're just gonna give up on it when times get tough, right Chad? I mean that's what people do if they don't if they don't believe in it, they just at the first sign of, of uh, adversity, then they're out the back door, aren't they? Yeah. So this idea
1: of just well, to, to borrow from Nike, just do it, uh, in in instead of kind of uh, coming up with the business case first, I think really encapsulates this first half of the show where entrepreneurship for someone like Steve Wozniak is in is in the work, is in the act of creation, uh, much less so than the. The numbers and the the marketing plans, uh, etc., et which I think is a an interesting angle on uh, what entrepreneurship is in, in contrast to to some of these other moonshotters that we've learned from in the past.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a timely reminder to 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 stop guessing and start knowing if you've got something. And very very inspiring um, that that everything. That is today the biggest company in the world and and Apple uh, all started with passion and and vision. And I think there's a lot for us to take out of that. I think an interesting point that we touched on, which we haven't done a lot in the show, is this idea of get yourself a Mm -hmm. co-founder. I'd love to just call that out and reinforce that. Something that we always reflect on. There's just no way this show would happen if it wasn't the two of us. Nope, right? It would not it would not happen. <laughs> it would not happen at all. So 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 it. You know, I think about just that as an example. I think of what we mentioned with Bauman and and Phil Knight at, at Nike, um, and the list goes on and on and on. That um, you know, getting through those early early times. There's early stages of a company of an idea or a vision really is much better when when it's two or more. And I think what a great sort of bunch of wisdom that we've just got from Steve Wozniak in the first half of the show. The cool thing is that we're going to dive into a whole world of invention and technology. And stay tuned because we've got some gripping. I mean, this is These clips coming up, Chad, this is where we see some of his storytelling just come to the fore, right?
1: Yeah. And like, could you imagine, like, what Apple would be if it, or or what the two companies would be if one was started by Steve Wozniak and the other was started by Steve Jobs? Like, would either of them even still (laughs) exist today?
0: (laughs) Probably not. Because, you know, if you think about how they, Kind of covered up each other 's weaknesses, and i don 't know it was one plus one equals three with these two guys i mean what a what a train wreck of an idea i mean i don 't think they would have got very far, but um just stay tuned everyone. this is we' got some great stuff uh gr- great stuff coming on but before we get into the second
1: half, I just wanted to remind everyone that you can find all of the show notes and things that we mentioned here on the show and leave feedback for us at moonshots. .io. We really appreciate you taking the time to, to share your feedback and thoughts with us. Um, so yeah, send us an email at, at hello at moonshots.io.
0: And um, yeah, we'd love your feedback. And something we want to hear from is we've been kicking uh, some ideas around about uh, you know what would be the next series of the show. And 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 I think something we'd love to hear from, from the audience is... We're thinking we could do an author series, you know, uh, Eric Reese and the Lean Startup, uh, classics like Peter Drucker and Clay Christensen, or perhaps doing an investor series, you know, Warren Buffett, Paul Graham, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, tell us, tell us where you think we should go here. We need some help. So uh, well, there's a, there's an architects
1: series. I was yes. just thinking about a filmmaker series. Yeah, there's so many, so many. Uh, realms we can in industries we can dive into oh my gosh imagine
0: kubrick and scorsese oh spielberg spielberg yeah so uh, so many innovators yeah all yeah all too many to list yeah so where do we want to start this journey into invention and technology where do we start chad i think we
1: go to essentially the inception of apple um Mm. So i'll just get out of the way of steve and have him uh tell us about when apple was born
2: the first night of the homebrew club changed my life i didn't know a thing about this microprocessor chip and i was scared thinking i'll never come back to this club and they'll never know i was there and i took the microprocessor data sheet home that night and as i read its instructions i said oh my god this is just like those mini computers i used to design in high school and steve said we should start a company So I had to go to Hewlett-Packard first, because I would never do something behind Hewlett-Packard's back. And I offered them my ideas on the personal computer. After Hewlett-Packard turned me down for the first of six times, Steve said, let's build a PC board. And that was the premise on which we started Apple. Then a local store wanted to buy computers with all the parts in them. I mean, Steve called me at work one day at Hewlett-Packard, and he said, are you sitting down? And he said, I got a $50,000 order. That was a freakish moment. Oh, my God. And we were in business. Now, just one thing that comes to my mind. Do you
0: remember, this is like 30, 40 years ago, so $50,000 as your first order, that is huge. And Steve had to make all of them himself. (laughs) Uh, Lucky he enjoyed it so much because uh, (laughs) there's just no way, oh, my God, hand-making all of those computers. Um, But what a magical moment to think, Getting that call, he's sitting at HP. Ironically, who had the chance to have done this themselves, who passed on it five times, and Steve just managed to convince some folks to to make the first order, and the rest, as they say, is history. Chad, isn't it great? We don't often get these moments where you see the genesis. I mean, we had it with Branson. We love that story of him, you know, uh, being stuck at the airport. But I'm not sure. This is one of the only other real moments that a company is born.
1: Yeah, and 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 maybe some of this is mythologized. I think between the two Steves, they probably could uh, embellish the story if they had wanted. But at at the end of the day, it, it I think it was that that moment when he got the call from Steve, who was at a, Atari, and then he, he himself is sitting, you know, in the in the halls, engineering halls of of HP, um, you know, saying, "Hey, we, we got an order for." You know, a couple, a hundred of these computers. We got to get to work this weekend so that we can fulfill the order. <laughs>
0: Cancel your weekend. <laughs> but uh, look, the stories of invention continue, and these magic moments in Apple history continue. This next one is something I didn't know anything about, and uh, you know, I'm a pretty big Apple fanboy, but I had never heard this one. And what's really cool about this is we take, you know, color screens for granted. And, you know, whenever I move off my, my retina or my iPhone 10 screen for some weird reason and I'm working on something that's not retina, uh, I mean, oh, the, the howls of protest that I have of the the poor screen quality. But there was a day where it was just black and white or kind of shades of this awful green. And, uh, Wozniak was like, you know what? Let's bring color to the personal computer. And this next clip, it's, it's a little bit longer, but what I, what I really want everyone to do is just appreciate we're going to hear in, in some detail how color has been brought to the PC screen and how we are listening to the inventor literally walk us through that thinking process. So I want everyone to think now about how they could apply the same rigor, the same creativity to something they're working on. So let's have a listen to the was.
2: The idea came. Luckily, it either comes here or doesn't sometimes to solve these things, like putting color into computers. That was probably one of the biggest things Apple ever did. Nobody expected color to come into a computer because color machines cost $1,000 to generate color. Had tons of chips, and I figured out a way to do it with one little one dollar chip, and I and it was really strange how it happened. But this would apply to young children. I was without sleep for four days and nights because Steve Jobs and I got a project to design a game for Atari called Breakout, and we and I he said and Steve needed the money quick, so we had to do it in four days and nights. I didn't think it was possible back then. Games weren't software; they were hardware, little chips and voltages to wires from here to there, make it work and. I didn't think it was possible, but I said, I'll try it. And I designed the whole thing, and we got it done four days and nights. But when you're without sleep, when you're going to sleep, you're in a, your head goes briefly into this period of really creativity, kind of thinking it's not restricted to the normal thoughts of life and the day. When you're waking up, your head's a little like that. Well, my head was kind of in this floating half-asleep state, and out on the Atari floor, they only had black and white TVs in those days for the, video, the first arcade games they had this dot going across the screen it's changing colors like a rainbow. And it was hypnotizing like you're at a concert or something. And they just put little strips of mylar, red, green, blue, yellow, on the TV screen to do it. And I started thinking, it was so beautiful. And I remember exactly what bench I was at. Steve was, was wiring up the board over there and I'm right at this one bench. I just started drifting and I thought, you know, signals for color TVs, I remember from high school electronics, they go up and down, up and down at a certain speed. And then I thought, what if you made a signal, it went up and down and up and down at different rate, would it look like color? Just a digital, the normal simple thing I can do with almost no parts at all, would it look like color? And then, oh my gosh, I figured out a way that I could have little four little zero-one bits circling around and it could go up and down at different time and red would become blue. I could put in a different pattern of ones and zeros, I had 16 patterns, and it could become a different shade. It might be a little lighter and it might be a little darker. Would it work? You know, and didn't know. But when I finally wired it up about a year later, um, and brought Steve over, I mean, we saw it, and that was eureka. You know, we knew this was a change, a big change in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a
1: moment! Yeah. yeah, the invention of of color on on displays for computers. It, I almost want to go back and listen to the clip again because it's kind of engineer geek speak. But in a way, you can kind of follow his train of thought where. Much of that is just kind of the crucible of the environment and the situation that mm, forced mm. them to do that. So, so my takeaway actually from this is kind of like why constraints are so amazing for creativity because they had four days to do this. It put him in this state of mind, this kind of wacky state of mind. That was like, <laughs> what, what if I like crammed these, these disparate pieces of technology and learning and, and our knowledge and, and engineering and tried it out, and he wasn't able to do it right then and there because you know they still had this deadline to meet. But a year, you know, he kind of worked on it. I'm sure for a year, and then finally was able to realize his his idea.
0: Mm. I also like uh, the lesson in here of thinking different. Uh, something that later went on to become their brand manifesto and and slogan, but did you notice how he just asked, "Well, why can't I do it this way?" And if I think about what else has color, and can I use that model in this situation, and just thought outside of the box, and and. It really started with with just by becoming so deeply immersed in the problem and then just asking some radically different questions. He was able to bring color to the PC. And I think this speaks so much to how we ask questions of, you know, the solutions to the problems. And I think this is at the heart of it because if you if you see a problem and you can find a radically different way of solving it, then you're really, you, you, this is really the path to, to innovation and doing something that's radically, massively different than what's on offer today. It's doing, it's solving the problem in a different way because you often mm-hmm. get extraordinary returns that haven't been seen before by doing it like that. So uh, for me, this was a bit of an inspiration on thinking differently. How about you on that whole think different? I just really love that. Didn't you, Chad?
1: I do. And I think it's, it's also been interesting to me, kind of reflecting, doing the research on the show, like the difference between invention and innovation. Yeah. And so Steve Wozniak comes from this deep engineering culture inside of the kind of premier engineering company at the time, HP, where engineers are just building things to build things, or, you know, they're inventing things to invent things, Mm. whether they're useful and solving a problem, (laughs) you know, like that's a, that's a totally different question. So, so that's invention. Whereas I think innovation is the invention, but there's also like, it's solving a problem. Mm. It's new and novel and it's like creating good or positive change. And I think Steve Wozniak and Steve jobs, you know, kind of helped, strike the match that began you know the personal computer revolution and they just you know were riding that wave so they were in, they were committed to to putting the best personal computer in as many places as possible and so i think that kind of good and positive mission that was validated in the marketplace by by the demand you know combined with the invention was really what accelerated the growth and success of the company, at least, you know, in its first decade, decade and a half.
0: Well, well, think about it though, Chad. I mean, that's what they did with the Apple One and the Apple Two and the Apple Three but and the Mac, but then went on to continue doing with iPod, iPad, iPhone. So, you know, look, it, it was in their DNA and... Um, That is the theme of Apple. They just have been doing it over many, many, many decades. And it's this this decades of experience that gives was such a powerful view of how technology can work. And we actually have a great clip uh, coming up now, which is him looking a little bit into the future but putting it into this frame of reference that he has, which is just all he's invented all this amazing stuff. And he's now looking at the future in this next clip and thinking about what could be and and the paradigms that, that the PC and technology is really all about. So let's have a listen to what's got Steve Wozniak excited about the future.
2: The big changes over time in computers. Of all the year, eras from back when it was vacuum tubes and punch cards, it's basically input output, how it connects to a human being. How do you actually use it? You know, and we got past punch cards, we got to our little terminals with the personal computers, we got to mouses and GUI. That means the display and the input, the input and the output were changing different ways. And now we've gone, we've gone a step further, we've gone to touch. We, and we went to trackpads and now we went to touch screens. A lot of that's changing, but I think the biggest change in the future is going to be voice. Bill Atkinson, At the recent MacWorld, I believe said commented that um, really the future of of the smartphones is voice control.
1: He he may he may have been a little early on this. I I still think that this has to play out, but I mean, who knows? I trust his judgment again, like you said, because of his decades of experience. But I'm actually not interested in the voice control. I'm I'm kind of like interested in like I, I have no idea what it is, but like what's the what's the thing past that? Right. So this is where the things like what um, Elon Musk is working on with the kind of, you know, computer brain interface, like that kind of stuff, I think, is 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 even cooler.
0: Right. So so let's just get into this for a moment. What I, what I think was really cool is he, he gave this little clue at the start of that clip where he said, look, it essentially comes down to the inputs and the outputs, how we get the data in to computers and how we get it out. And if you think about it, that's exactly what your example from Elon is all about. It's just different inputs and outputs. And I thought that was really powerful. It's like, without a doubt, when we talk about voice, the removal of physical interface and the click, 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 I truly think will be an amazing experience whether you can make this at scale in the near term, who knows? Because look, let's be honest, Siri ain't great. Alexa's better, uh, from my experience, but it's also not great, and um, I still notice. And Google
1: Assistant, you know, still apologizes to me when I ask her what the weather tomorrow is going to be. You're kidding? Or yesterday? Or not tomorrow? It's what was the weather
0: yesterday? She, she still can't do. Oh man! So, so look, we know it's it's early times, but um, the 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 removal of that is a great uh, of of the physical interface. It is a great use case, and when you're on the go and you can um, you can get the quick commands to your technology, this this is going to be an aha moment. Whether we can get there in the in the short term. Totally different thing. But what I. It's lo- so dependent upon other technologies like machine learning
1: and, and, you know, the development of neural networks, et cetera, sure. which, which, again, is still,
0: uh, I think, the bottleneck for, for voice. That's true. But, you know, what's, what's really inspiring about listening to, to the WAS is I think he's reminded us that the paradigm here. The paradigm is is really really about inputs and outputs, and this is like the core face of innovation. So if you're thinking of like what what's uh, an interesting side hustle, I'd be like fixing inputs and outputs. I'd be looking at voice. I would be look at what's before that. What did what do, what you mentioned, Chad? That's like you think it, and it happens in the computer. That's obviously the next the next level there, but. Great to to see this big frame that he can he can put technology within, and I I I just think that when I reflect on what we've just heard from him, uh, this deep dive into into thinking like how to how to bring color to the PC screen, and and that magical moment that he got the call from Stephen says we got an order for fifty thousand. All of this uh, invention and technology and these magic moments bring to life um, how great the company got started with with uh, Steve Wozniak as the lead engineer. Like this guy was so hell-bent on making things better for the PC. I mean, you're left with almost no doubt. There's no wonder these guys succeeded. And then the mm-hmm. coolest thing is you throw in a, a Steve Jobs next to him and then it is totally Batman and Robin, isn't it? Yeah. My biggest takeaway is really, you know, it, if you – really want
1: to start a great company try just finding something that you're extremely passionate about and obsessed with and want to do all day every day to four in the morning for months on end you will stumble onto the idea or or the product or the service and someone will find you and give you the money or give you the marketing expertise or help you co-found and run the company and uh that's what's really interesting to me about Steve Wozniak because his archetype is like kind of different from maybe what we first think of when we think of innovator entrepreneur kind of archetype and you know he's he's definitely he's a geek through and through and so I I like that he kind of bucks that that expectation and stereotype
0: yeah absolutely absolutely he he's um such a Stark contrast to to what I think a lot of people might consider to be the perfect archetype, um, and I think what what he reminds us of is build for yourself, love what you're doing, it like and it's and, and it's passion first before business. But the, uh, the 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 most charming thing perhaps about the was is outside of all of the inventions and all of the advice he has for us is I think one of the most powerful things uh, about him is he just knows who he wants to, to be. So we've got a, a final clip that I think is beautiful in capturing the true essence of the was. So let's have a listen to the was talking about who he wants to be in the world. And uh, he's playing around here with one of his original Apple One inventions as he talks.
2: Mm, I don't remember the beep command, do I? Too bad, I wrote it in my own language. Ooh. Yeah, I got my right. run. It says, hello, my name is Steve. You <laughs> can barely see it, but it's there. Soldering things together, putting the chips together, designing them, drawing them on drafting tables. That was so much a passion in my life. And to this day, I'll go stay at the bottom of the org chart, being an engineer, because that's where I want to be.
1: At the bottom of the org chart. Yeah, have not we, a, not a bad place to be uh, if you've got someone like Steve Jobs, you know, running the company with
0: you. Sure, but have you have you heard this from anyone or you, anybody else on the show? I mean, no, no one. I mean, Yvonne Chenard doesn't even have a job at the company; like, he doesn't have a formal role. He's just like spiritual leader, vision dude. Yeah. But I think the closest kind of explicit advice along
1: this line is from Bill Belichick in the do your job mantra. Yeah. I I mean, his role is different, but the fact that he says, you know, do your job. Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, that Steve was like, he knew his place and he's like, I, I want to be in the corner, in the closet, you know, with my soldering yeah. gun and, uh, like, th- that's where I belong. And
0: don't invite me to any management meetings. <laughs> no, no. Oh, I like that. I like the sound of that. Yeah, yeah. He's – he. what a wonderful character. Huh? Could you have asked for a more friendlier, fun, uh, just – he's like that lovable uncle there was, isn't he? He's just such a charming guy. Mm-hmm. yeah and 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 like i said at, at the at the start he's a great
1: storyteller you know i think he you can tell that he looks very fondly on his memories you know at the beginning of apple i mean sure there's stories of kind of what has happened later but i don't think you can argue that him just getting to build the things that he wanted to build and having someone like Steve Jobs help him turn that into a business was like
0: perfect for to him absolutely perfect so so what i what i'm trying to think of is what am i taking out of this i think you know get a founder was a powerful reminder and i i think it starts with the doing is perhaps the most mm-hmm. powerful message he has for us i'm really sort of um I I think I maybe make the mistake sometimes with my ideas that I that I indulge in them, in paper and fantasy and fancy looking slides, and I'm a great fan of prototyping. But maybe even this is another powerful reminder for me: is just go and do it. Like, stop talking about it, stop writing it down, go do it. And and really big reminder here. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna push you a little
1: further there, Mike. Like, what's What's a thing right now that's like maybe a hobby or something that you you find yourself getting lost in in the work that you're doing you know along the lines of soldering PCB boards and that kind of thing I'm I'm curious if there's anything like that for you now and then if not like maybe this is a a challenge for you to 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 do that
0: Yeah, and I I think that the what I think about is the first way I, I I would process it I think what you and I both did is we had this passion for making moonshots. So we pretty quickly started building this show together, didn't we? I think we would have made the WAS pretty happy with that approach. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I feel like we did it right there. My my thing would be I probably am v I'm very excited about you know, not only the work that I do you know, during the day, as as a sort of an innovation guide and and uh, all of that good stuff. I love what I'm doing here, and and you know, another big part of how I spend my time is is coaching people to play rugby. To, um, on all three fronts, I'm quite busy doing, and I think that the richness that I get from all of those is because I, I do this stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I find that like, I have, you're not management. No way. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> doing, I'm, I, I'm, I'm like the was, I, I'm just out on the rugby field doing the coaching, you know? So I spent a good three hours out on the rugby pitch last night in the middle of a Sydney winter coaching and, and helping others. And it, it's just so damn rewarding. I feel like my own little was of of rugby coaching. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that the the rewards are all there, and I, I humanly could not fit anything else into my day, into my into my week schedule. So that gives me all the permission to turn it back at you. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted. No, I, I knew it was coming back. Yeah, don't, don't you? Don't try that on me? So come on. Um, you, you've you've heard it starts with the doing, and I know you're busy producing a lot of work at the moment. Can you find another another vehicle that has perhaps got to get out of out of the uh, the PowerPoint and into the doing? I think
1: for me, it's going back to like. I can't quite put my finger on when I became so just enamored and in awe of, of films and, mm-hmm. and filmmaking and documentary. I mean, there's like a couple of moments in time that I think compounded, you know, to bring me where I am today. And what I'm spending is much extra, you know, the, the 15 minutes here and the hours on at one hour on the weekend, there is just going back to kind of, the ancient roots of of story and storytelling and, oh. and trying to learn from the likes of Aristotle and Homer and Joseph Campbell and, uh, wow. really just steeping myself in what is myth and what is collective consciousness and you know, all of these <laughs> crazy, Whoa. crazy, crazy things. Um, I think because I'm realizing that the power uh, of story and a direct line that I drew really just in the past couple of weeks is like all strategy is, is a story, you know, that that's, that's X, ex- that's well executed. Mm. And this is all, all of those things are, I think coming together for me to like really just up my, my story with a capital S game. So yeah, my, my stack of reading is grown by several feet and, um, also turning that into, into some writing, which is something that I haven't done much of beforehand. So that's, that's, what I'm hoping can kind of f- form the the bedrock of you know the the next transformation that my work and my business goes through here in the next couple of months and years.
0: Nice, ah, oh, that's inspiring. Well, you've got plenty of inspiration uh, from the was to get you going on your on your mission. And um, before we sign off, I think we have to take a moment just to entertain the idea. Of our next show, I mean, come on, Chad, there is no bigger show than next weeks well, i don't know if you want to hype it up
1: too much, Mike, then we have to deliver <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, you know me <laughs> I'm the energy bringer here. Um, <laughs> come on, Chad. this thing is massive it's gigantic it's dude, there's no bigger than than the the focus of our next show come on i'm I'm very curious to see if
1: we can uncover or shine a light on something that's maybe been underreported, slightly overlooked. Ooh. Know, I, so I That's what I'm really spending my time in, in preparation for the show is like, there is this out there public persona of who Steve Jobs was and like really what he's brought to the world and, and, and to the tech industry. Um, but like, I want us to, to find some, out of the ordinary things so that's that's what i'm hoping we uh we come to the table with in the, in the that, next show. Is that
0: is fantastic it's totally uh pricked my imagination because you're absolutely right we've all heard a million stories about steve jobs and um yeah we gotta we gotta find uh, a way to package this together i also think that Ed Catmull, on, on the show we did with him, alluded to the fact that actually uh, there was a transformation in the latter part of Steve's career where he, uh, he made a, a change that not a lot of people saw, and so it would be interesting to dig into that a little bit. I also mm-hmm. think that he's equally a product genius as he is a marketing genius. And um, I, I truly believe that these are the two skills, the two practices that that make up modern innovation, the modern company. Uh, all growth comes from those two things, is, is my firm belief. So I am, I feel like I'm going to to sit down with the grand master for the next show, and I am so excited because I deeply love both the the telling of story and marketing, and and the building and designing of product, and put those two together and I think it's just, uh, it's magical. It's Nike, it's Apple, you know, it's Google, it's Amazon. So I'm I'm very excited about that. So, man, I just can't wait. Um, and and it, we have another, we'll do Tim Cook after Steve Jobs. That will be a four-part Apple executive series. And don't forget, we did Jonathan Ive. So if people want to check out our previous show on Jonathan Ive, where can they go for that, Chad? They can go to Moonshots io and
1: you will find all of the links to subscribe in your favorite podcatcher you'll find summaries of all of our episodes and show notes uh and you'll even find an area where we're kind of uh teasing some potential show topics and again you can find all of that at moonshots.io
0: Exactly. Well, I think we've come to that, uh, that time, uh, where we set off into the sunset of New York or to the morning break, uh, here in, in Sydney, Chad, this was so cool. I mean, what a storyteller was the was, huh?
1: Yeah. Really fun to listen to. And I, again, I think just really encouraging to all of those geeks, uh, that live in all, all of us, you know, it's okay to just go and do your thing. And, uh, and, you know, as long as you stick to it and uh, and connect with the right people along the way, you know, good things can happen.
0: I agree. Fitting words uh, to wrap up our show. So thank you to you, our listeners. Thank you to you, Chad. Can't wait for this next show. I am, I am so literally going to actually start the prep today here uh, in Sydney, Australia. So thank you to all. Uh, We're at the end of show 34, where we focused on none other than Steve Wozniak. And we'll see you for the next show, where we dive into the world of Steve Jobs from Apple. That's it for today. We'll see you next time. See you later. The Moonshots podcast.